welcome to the Pinstripe Alley Podcast, 11-game winning streak edition. Holy shit, that's pretty damn good. I'm Andrew Mearns, joined by Kun Shaw as always. How's it going? I'm riding an 11-game win streak high because I didn't know that was a thing that they could do. Yeah, hasn't been done by the Yankees since 1985, apparently. So, you know, we are rocking like bowling for soup to make a really, really dated reference. <laughs> I was even excited when they even hit 10 games, apparently. But then I found out they apparently did that last year as well, which is not a thing that I remember at all. No, no one remembers <laughs> it. It got immediately memory hold. It was just like, okay. <laughs> like the entire season, just like the entire season. Like the Yankees did this in 2020. What's 2020? Yeah, here's what I remember about 2020. Uh, DJ LeMahieu hit really well and won a batting title, and then Aroldis Chapman pooped his pants on the mound again. So, the end. Yep, that's about it. That's all that happened. <laughs> yeah, Garrett Cole had a really good playoff start against Cleveland. I remember that, too. But other than that. Like, I don't doubt you, but I genuinely don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, it struck out like 14. It was, it was fun. I don't know. But it was also just like... Ah, Garrett Cole. That's nice. And Giancarlo Stanton's yeah. dingers, too. That was that was good, too. Oh, yeah. That I do remember from the playoffs last year. That was yeah. fun. Because they were some titanic dongs, honestly. Yes. And speaking we'll be- of, he's been pretty good. <laughs> yeah, man loves playing the field. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, all we had to do is just, you know, stick him out in the outfield and be like, ah, yes, I can do this. Because all I don't think he do ever is- acted like he couldn't. I was say, all they had to do was do the thing that he's been uh, arguing or championing for since the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's good for the lineup, too, since that means they can put Rizzo at first and Voight at DH, you know, when they're playing real baseball and not fake NL Park baseball that requires Luke Voight to just pinch it and walk a couple times. <laughs> yeah, the, the Yankees are actually putting out the lineup that, like, you know, we'll talk about in the comment section of Pinstripe Alley. Like, this is what they should be doing, even though we know nothing. But, like, hey, they are actually doing this. So, hey, kudos. <laughs> yeah, they're playing the large man outfield of uh, Gallo, Judge, <laughs> and Stanton, which is just really funny to look at, but not as funny as when um, Brett Gardner makes a defensive replacement. And then it's just like, whoop, yes. whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's always great because you go. It just goes from like a line to just like an M, pretty much. Yeah, like hey guys, I've got to get in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm here too. Yeah, but some good games in Atlanta. They took care of business against the Twins, and of course, last week they finished that sweep against the Red Sox. Yeah, because I guess uh, the last time we recorded, they had just uh, completed the doubleheader sweep against the Red Sox, and they still had the one game to go, which we were not feeling too optimistic about with Andrew Heaney getting the ball in that and just no. everything going the Yankees' way and actually winning the doubleheader. So for them to come out and uh, do that while Andrew Heaney pitched a, for, what's, for what I consider for him a gem or a perfect game almost, even though it obviously was not. <laughs> hey, hey, he allowed... Just two hits. I mean, he gave him a home run, but he made it a solo home run, and it was early, and that was kind of scary at first, but he kept it to that and beat the Red Sox. And it was just like, okay, well, that's a, if that's not a sign that the vibes are just really good right now, then I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, especially because it obviously it helps that the Red Sox are just pay, playing like very poorly recently, so like they're not doing their best. So they helped out Andrew Heaney, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But hey, you'll I'll take it. I'll give him credit where credit's due because – I just did not expect him to do anything there. I thought he was maybe going to go three innings with like 40 runs. Yeah, <laughs> minimum 40 runs, you know, just. <laughs> I mean, to his credit, he is, you can depend on him to give you length. Like he will go five, six innings if you let him. It's just, 
he's not going to limit the damage necessarily in general. Yeah. And last night in Atlanta, he was not as sharp, obviously, but probably if it's a batting order with the DH, he pitches another inning or two. He like, he came out up to four because there was a good opportunity to pinch it for him. So right. they did it. And obviously like the, the pinch hitting didn't necessarily work out because, you know, you pinch hit Brett Gardner for Heaney. So that didn't do anything, but then at least DJ LeMay who hit the homer to, make it all worthwhile, give the Yankees the lead. And then at that point, you're like, all right, let's just go to the bullpen. We got as much good out of Andrew Heaney as we can. So let's just not tempt it. Yeah, that was the play, obviously. I mean, you wanted to go for the runs there. And hopefully with with the off day, your bullpen will take care of business and take a breather the next day. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. The only problem was uh, the ninth inning. (laughs) That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Should we get into that or should we talk about some other fun stuff first? Uh, let's get to that later. I don't feel like going depressing myself just yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fair. And we should talk about the the twin series, which went like a normal Yankees twin series, gotta say. But I appreciate the, as you wrote in the notes, two point five low stress wins. Yeah, I, in my notes I wrote first game was a little close, but also it's the twins. So like, was it really that close ever? Yeah, I mean, it got to the point where, you know, the tying run was up and you're like, eh, but fortunately the script was not flipped like uh, during that one Nelson Cruz, Josh Donaldson game in June. Well, yeah, that's what we call a low point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, what the experts call a low point. Yes. I figured it out. I think the technical term is low point. Yeah, but yeah but no, I mean, obviously they didn't get to finish off the, the final game of that series because of uh, Hurricane Henri coming through new york so that'll be made up in september but for right now you know they they got to win the three games pretty handily you know the the last two especially were very very low stress games which the yankees just needed because i mean we've talked about how they've been winning games but they just haven't really been like blowing anybody away or doing anything like that so it was nice to just kind of see that kind of come in so we can kind of relax for nine innings (laughs) yeah those final scores were 10 to 2 and 7 to 1 with uh, very good pitching performances from Nestor Cortez Jr. and co ace Garrett Cole, I suppose. Hey, Nestor Cortez is the ace. I'm, I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> hey, look at the scoreboard. Who has the lower ERA? Case closed. Mm. Although I still stand by that his mustache deserves all the credit rather than him. It's true. It's true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's been a good week. Obviously, you know, we recorded midweek last week. We're recording midweek this week again. But fortunately, the Yankees have given us good things to talk about, like for multiple weeks in a row now, which just feels so weird and bizarre compared to like the early parts of the series uh, season. Yeah, very kind of them, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The secret to success is just avoiding uh, recording on Mondays after Sundays. But hey, even the Sundays haven't been as bad. Yeah. I mean, I was worried. Uh, I was at the game last night. And I was worried that we'd run into the situation where all the good vibes previously might get sapped away by one stinker at the end. And through the Rolos Chapman disaster that I thought Freddie Freeman was going to hit a walk-off double and just end all that. So thank you for, I guess, not doing that and going to Wandy Peralta and his change-ups. Yeah, I mean, Chapman did everything in his power to try and make sure we have an annoying time recording and like just have all the bad vibes. But again, kudos to... Wandy Peralta for bailing him out. Kudos to Aaron Boone for having Wandy Peralta up and ready, even though I think he still went to him like a batter too late, but whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I guess we'll talk about uh, Aroldis now since we're, we've gone to it twice. No, we have to I at think, this point. I mean, <laughs> it's in my brain. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> definitely. I mean, the, the, the thing with uh, what, I, what I'm liking about what Boone's been doing since uh, Chapman's come back from the IL is like he's kind of had somebody ready just so the game just doesn't completely get away. So that's good. But, man, this guy, he just he has no fastball command. He has no idea where it's going. And so he doesn't trust it, so it seems like. And without that, he's really nothing. No, it's, I mean, it's thing is, I guess it's not as bad as it was earlier in the season when it was just complete nightmare. But I think part right. of it may also just be because now they know to have a shorter leash. If even if, like as you said, they may still be going to him a bit too long, but there we are at least willing to pull him out of these situations where it's like he's put enough dudes on base. Just try someone else. And fortunately, the Yankees have enough bullpen depth that uh, a Licky or a Peralta can come in and bail you out, get the, just one last out, or Albert Abreu a couple weeks back, too. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely good. But, like, I think the problem is, like, I don't think you can continue to keep putting him in those situations. Like, it's good no. for Boone to, like, to recognize the urgency of, like, hey, we're doing this thing. We're all in. We're trying to get to this playoffs. And, honestly, they're probably aiming, gunning for that division. Like, they're, they're not, like, quite there yet, but they're not far away either where, like, I'd say three weeks ago, the division was just like a laughing thought. Like, hey, we're just happy to be a second wild card. And now we're actually like, what, four games back of the of the race. So it's not like completely out of the realm of possibility. So Boone's basically playing like he's got nothing to lose and can't afford to lose at the same time. So I respect having somebody up behind Chapman. But if this is the guy you're trusting to close out games, you can't just always go there with the idea like, okay, I'm going to need two guys here because I can't trust this guy to actually close it out. Yeah, and Peter's going to have an article when this podcast goes live today on the fact that Chapman should not really keep that closer role for a while. They should probably just go to that system that they were when Chapman was struggling earlier in the season two, where they were going with a green or a Lewiska, whoever, you know, happens to be available can close this out because that's who your most reliable guy is right now. He can't be sticking Chapman out there anymore. I think Boone will probably do that. At least give Chapman a little break because it's, it's not, no, the pressure's too great. They're playing obviously really well and it's, a thousand percent great that they keep winning ball games, but the pressure is going to be on to keep doing so because the Rays also keep winning ball games and they are going to play that up as much as they can. Oh, of course. And the Rays will actually take advantage of their opponents and make use of that. So the Yankees need to do everything they can. And I don't think they need to necessarily name another closer or do anything no. like that. Like you said, like you, like exactly what you said, like you could use green, you could use the Weissica, you could use who is available. Honestly, right now, I even trust Wandy Peralta. Like he's been phenomenal this month. So let him rack up some saves. And this way you could use like, if it's like a three run situation in the, going into the ninth, you could use Wandy Peralta then, but then you, you have Loisica and green available earlier. To, you don't have to save any of them for like a potential save situation or anything like that. I right. think just kind of closer by committee type thing where just, hey, whoever's available, whoever's working right now, you you get the ball. Hey, yeah. some, sometimes it may be Chapman, and that's fine. I just I think by default it cannot be him. And even if it's sometimes maybe Chapman, I think you need to give it like a week or two at least of not putting him in that situation and letting him kind of show that he's earned the ability to go back into at least sharing that role. Yeah, it's – just about figuring out like who makes sense for that day. And I think though they will go into that. So yeah. And, and at least the Yankees have shown the, the willingness to do that already this season. So it's not like before the Miami series with John Carlos Stanton, we're like, are they going to play him in the field? Like they don't seem like they're going to, cause they just haven't done it. 
like at least with the with Chapman here and the closer situation, they have taken him out of that role already. So that's good. Yeah. It gives me gives me confidence in like basically what you're saying that I think they will do that. Yeah. I talked about like the Rays putting pressure on the Yankees, but you know, the wild card's not sewn up either, far from it. I mean, the no, of course. Red Sox are gonna hang around because they're annoying. And the A's, even though they lost uh Chris Bassett and Ramon Laureano, one to a horrific injury and the other to suspension. They're probably going to hang in there too. And the A's are going to have a chance this weekend to make up those games too, because they have four games in Oakland and Yankees are one and nine in Oakland since the start of 2017. So hopefully they flip that script, but it still terrifies me. <laughs> yeah. Oakland is not a fun place to play. I still, I, I've mentioned this every time Oakland or playing in Oakland comes up, but I still just have like Matt Holiday, Epstein, Barr, like PTSD from that. Yeah. And I also so, remember just, one game that always sticks out to me is this 18 inning nightmare from 2013, where I think like Teixeira, Euclid, and a couple other dudes combined to strike out like 15 times or something like that. And it was, <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> you know, every time I finally accept the fact that I've forgotten Kevin Euclid was a Yankee, somebody just has to bring it up. That's what I'm here Thank for. You. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hopefully they don't do that this weekend. That would be great. Um, that would be nice. I would. At the very uh, least, just nobody get Epstein Barr because, yeah. like, I don't think we had, there's a separate Epstein Barr IL list. That's the goal. And honestly, <laughs> like, I will settle for a split in Oakland. I am not a greedy man. I would love to see them extend it to 15 games in a row, but realistically, Oakland terrifies me. Please just escape with a split. And we'll go for that. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be ecstatic with the split. Anything more than that, obviously, you, you're welcome. It, I'm not, <laughs> that would be just uh, icing on the cake. But if they can get, get yeah. away with the split, that's very good. They're, they're still going to be in good standing at that point. And, you know, they can just kind of get back to track at that. Like, anything less than a sweep would be uh, – sorry, a sweep. <laughs> anything less than a split would be very discouraging. If they only <laughs> win one or get swept, that would obviously be very bad. But – I don't know, something about this Yankees team, this post-trade deadline iteration of the Yankee of the 2021 Yankees makes me feel confident in that they won't get swept. Yeah, I mean, I guess if we can't feel confident now, <laughs> when can we? Congrats to me for being making the bold claim of saying the Yankees will not get swept in a four-game series because that is one of the hardest things to do. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. I, I, I will die on this hill, damn it. Yeah, all right. Basically, we should move on to our COVID slash IL update. The nice news is that Clay Holmes came back from the COVID IL, and currently there's no one else on it right now. But knock on wood, you if there's still, some salt you of your shoulder. It too, you still said it too loud. Yeah. They'll hear you. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> the variants will hear, or maybe the new yes. ones. <laughs> yeah. It seems like the first time, and I can't remember how long, where we're just giving a good, good update on the COVID IL specifically. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, it's kind of run its course with this Yankees team and we'll just maybe forget about them or maybe get bored of them, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, but the the downside, home to Holmes being back, Zach Britton may be done for the season. He is getting some opinions on his elbow. It's a sprain of some kind, so that's always ominous. So at this point, I'm not really expecting us seeing him the rest of the season. Or Miguel Andujar, who was returned from his rehab assignments from his wrist injury, and I don't expect him back either. Yeah, the the Britain news definitely stings. Like, no offense to Miguel Andujar, but like the Britain news definitely stings a little bit yeah. more because so far in his Yankee tenure, the last few years, he's been one of the best pitchers they've had in the bullpen, most reliable pitcher in the bullpen that they've had. 
And this year has just been such a bad one for him. And then now it's an elbow injury and you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, nothing's obviously confirmed, but I know they're talking about like, like there's rumors going around that maybe it could be like Tommy John or something like that. And if that's the case, man, that's basically taking out all of next year too for him. <laughs> yeah, that might be just a wrap on Zach Burton's Yankees career, which is too bad because as you said, he's been pretty, pretty good since he got here the deadline in 2018 and came back. It's it's just too bad because I've I've always really liked Zach Britton and he never really got started this year, it seems like, because he had the bone spur injury that kept him out until June, came back for a little bit, then immediately went back on the aisle with a hamstring thing, came back and just never got it going and now he's back on the IL so it's it's a damn shame yeah and especially like outside of just even baseball like he's obviously seemingly been a very good dude off the field like he's spoken up about you know important social matters uh when it comes to like who I forget what uh her name was but back in the Orioles days that club the clubhouse reporter who oh, was Bridge Rally. And, like, he, yes yeah like he came out and spoke up and like you know spoke up for her uh obviously not against her then um but yeah so it's just it's good to see and then obviously with uh, the whole Domingo Armand situation you know he spoke up about that too which was like you know not something that you you were seeing from anybody so on the field off the field he's been very very good and good to have on this team hopefully it's something too serious and we get to see him come back even if it's not this year but maybe next year come back you know take the off season and just come back strong and back to what he was because I genuinely think if his body was cooperating, he wouldn't have been as ineffective as he had been now. even when he was playing this year. But he just never seemed to be right. That's the thing. Like something always seemed off. And then, you know, he had obviously lost some velocity and that was just also causing him to struggle. But we'll see. Yeah. And Andy Hart, too. I, I think he may be toast as a Yankee, too. He seems like a prime guy to probably get non-tendered half of the season because I believe he is up for arbitration. And I, I know that the CBA might change a little bit, but I still don't really see a scenario where Andrew Hart comes back unless he's willing to settle for not much. And I have a feeling he could probably go somewhere and play on a second division team and get a whole bunch of starts and maybe rebuild some of those values. So. I don't know exactly why, but I keep picturing him as a Kansas City Royal. I could see that. Yeah, he's a. They seem to be a team that's very much contact oriented, and that's basically the name of his game. So, right. Hey, if he ends up there, you heard it here first, folks. Twenty twenty two All Star Miguel Andujar. <laughs> well, maybe not that. Well, I'm, I'm not even going that far. I'm just saying he will put on that uniform. That's it. Yeah, he will appear in another uniform and maybe <laughs> eke out like a ninety eight OPS plus or something. Congrats. Yeah. Um, but no, besides them two, um, the, the Yankees depth also take a little bit of a hit with uh, Stephen Writings and Chris Kitten hitting the uh, IL down in triple A. Uh, do you know what they were on the put on the IL for? No. That's yeah. the sucky thing about the minor league IL is that the team does not really have an obligation to report what exactly is going on there. So it usually takes some. Um, minor league beat reporting or prospect experts looking into it. And I'm not sure if Ridings and Gittins are notable enough names to really get much attention. There's a chance that maybe the Rail Riders beat writer could put something out in the next couple of days about it, but we'll see. That sucks, I, though. I tried seeing or uh, looking up what was wrong with the both of them, and I couldn't find anything. So I was just like, maybe I missed something, but all right, I guess I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Either way, the Yankees depth take a, takes a little bit of a hit because obviously, you know, I mean, Chris Gritton's maybe not as much somebody that we were thinking about seeing at all at any point this year. Now that, you know, Luke Voigt seems healthy and is actually hitting Anthony Rizzo's on the team. So between Rizzo, Voigt, and DJ, you have three people who can capably 
play first base up, up in the majors. So yeah, it, it would take a lot to need Chris Gittens right now. Yeah, it was, that one like, I'm just more bummed for him than anything else. I don't oh, yeah, really think that he was going to have much of an impact. I think the ridings thing is more of a bummer just because there was an outside chance. He may have come back for September call-ups, but if he's hurt, I, I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, but uh, obviously Stephen Writings, you know, his uh, few appearances when he was up as a COVID replacement player, you know, he had certainly impressed. He, you know, we, you and I both talked about how he's been so good that he probably deserves or at least an opportunity to stay up on a full-time basis, at least as long as he kept that going. But then obviously we know roster limitations and roster rules weren't going to allow that. So he was back down in AAA. So that just kind of stings to see, but Hopefully it's nothing too serious where maybe he just needs like the few days and then he can still possibly come back in September because when the rosters expand to 28 players instead of, I think, is this the first year that they're doing 28 instead of 40? Yeah, last year they were going to do 28, but then with COVID, they're like, we're just going to do 28 the whole season. So you're right. Yeah. I don't know if he'll actually end up coming back this year. I guess it'll depend on who's healthy in the bullpen because they'll probably have other options. But either way, at least if those five games are all we got, those those five games are enough to get land on people's radar. And he is absolutely going to get like an invitation to spring training next year to see if you can stick in there. So no, definitely. He's somebody who you, you hope and think will get a good look in spring and maybe you can make the roster next year. Yeah. And like he's... I believe he is younger than like Dellen Batances was when Dellen had his first breakout year. So I don't know. We're not going to forecast that, obviously, but he's young enough that it's not like he's just some 29 year old who's just figuring it out now. He's 25, but he might be able to play a role going forward. We'll see. But that can be a discussion for the 2022 spring training podcast. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're not expecting him to come out with a less than two ERA out of, out of nowhere next year. Well, I would sign up for it, but yeah, probably not. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, I'm the only one making bold predictions here, I guess, today. <laughs> I know. I'm a coward. What can we say? <laughs> well, but, I guess one thing, yeah. we, we we are talking about some unfortunate IL news, but one thing that's good is that uh, Gio Urshela should be back for the A series. So uh, it'll be nice to have good defense at third base again. Rugno Dador has been okay. But like one thing about that ninth inning last night is that it probably should have been over if Joe Urshela makes that play on that grounder by Albies. Albies beats it out because Rugi maybe took a little bit too much time with it and maybe Urshela doesn't waste that. But it'll be good to have that glove back in there. And if Urshela can hit like he's capable of, then another great bat in that lineup. Yeah, obviously, you know, Rugnet Odor, I think he's still played a little bit better than I, he's definitely hit a lot better than I expected him to. Oh, yeah. You know, he's kind of become like a clubhouse or fan favorite just because of his quote-unquote energy or moxie or whatever generic uh, overused term you want to give it. Mound visits. Give to it, but <laughs> his mound visits are, are, are awesome. But yeah, I mean, the the defense on at third base, there's a reason he's not at third base. In. Yeah. Um, you know, even him not making that play, like I still have a lot, hard time getting mad or upset at him specifically because i mean he's just kind of being asked to play out of position and he's doing his best so you know, oh, yeah. fine. but it'll be nice to have like reliable third base defense back there especially now like defensively the yankees are in a good spot with uh Gio Urshela coming back obviously anthony rizzo taking most of the reps at first base so you know he can help out any bad throws or anything not that Gio's gonna make them but i'm just saying like it just having those two guys at each corner is always going to be a good thing for the rest of the infield. And, you know, if he hits again, this lineup just keeps getting deeper and deeper. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's pushing players sort of back to their role that they're most comfortable in at this moment. Like Rugno Dodor works best for the Yankees right now as like that 
fifth infielder, bench player who can come up, sock a dinger if he squares one up and cover a few positions and not embarrass himself when he's making a start. So that's pretty much what you want from him. And when Urshel is in the lineup, then that's probably what Odor is going to be. So it's like that sliding scale. And then, you know, we might end up with Velasquez going back to AAA whenever Glaber gets back. He seems to be a little bit further out. He's not in rehab games yet, but they'll cross that bridge when they get to it. Yeah, I think uh, Glaber Torres is supposed to start rehab games this weekend. So we'll see how long that takes, but we're probably looking at like a week or so before he they're ready to talk about him coming back. Yeah. At least fortunately in the time or chances that Velasquez has gotten, he's hit very well, a lot better than expected, especially yeah. this last week. I mean, I think him and Tyler Wade have just been playing crazy good for themselves. Uh, we talked, I gave Tyler Wade my uh, Yankee of the Week last week just because I'll never have a chance to do that again. And I almost considered giving uh, Andrew Velasquez my Yankee of the Week this week just because I probably will never have a chance to do do that again. But spoiler, it's not him. But wow. since we last recorded, uh, Velasquez is at 318, 348, 591, including his first home run with his family in the stands. Did you know he's from the Bronx? The Bronx's own Andrew Velasquez. Yeah, that, yes. that's, it's, it's really such a cool story just because you don't really hear a ton about like players from New York City actually making it to the major leagues and specifically from like the Bronx too. Oh, no, of course. I, I make fun of the fact that they have to mention it in like every broadcast and all that, but he, it's still obviously a very cool story. And, you know, his family actually getting to be there for his home run was uh, pretty cool. You know, just I love I'm a sucker for those like reaction shots of the family when like, oh, yeah. the, the, the player on the field is doing something that hits a home run, gets that big strikeout, whatever it is. I'm a sucker for those reaction shots. I think yeah. the funniest was when, uh, I think it was this past weekend. I don't remember exactly when it was. But it was recently when uh, Aaron Nola was uh, playing. They were playing the Padres. Yeah, because he's yeah. Yeah, Austin Nola. Austin Nola, yeah. So obviously Aaron Nola's a pitcher. His uh, brother's not. And like, so he, he faced him and struck him out and then they just cut to his dad and his dad has like a Padres t-shirt or Padres shirt on with a Phillies jersey over it. And he's just like, <laughs> I don't know how to react right now. It's like, good work, sons. <laughs> Yay to one of you, to the other of you, you'll get them next time, I guess. To the other you, you're not invited to Thanksgiving. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> you get to sit at the kids table. Demoted. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. That's It's been fun to watch. Probably won't continue, but hey, it's the fun of the next man up thing. Like not everyone involved in next man up was like good the entire season. It was just like the sum of the parts making it this, no, this yeah. enjoyable. And I, I think when Gio and Glaber come back and um, well, especially when Glaber comes back, because that's really where uh, Velasquez has been filling in is that shortstop. When Glaber comes back, he's obviously going to take back the shortstop position, and that's the fair and the right thing to probably do. And especially if, like, if Glaber struggles for like a game, like a couple games or whatever, to kind of get back into the groove of things, we're going to hear a lot of like, oh man, should have started Velazquez and whatever. And like, I think, you know, <laughs> like even, okay. even slumping Glaber is going to be better than Velazquez. Like, in a, yeah. all due respect to the guy, but yeah. Maybe you ease him back into it by like, you know, only giving him a few starts of shortstop in his first week and letting a Wade or a Velasquez, if he's still on the roster, maybe it's September by that point, they make him like the 27th or 28th man. Then maybe you can have him start like one of those games or two of those games a week and not immediately throw Glaber back into everything. But you, you want Glaber Torres out there right now. Sorry. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's the right way to go about it. Either. If Velasquez is still hitting, then yeah, you you not split, not even split the time, but you give him like a day or a, a day or two a week just to kind of 
let Glaber ease back into it, just like you said. But if he's not, then at that point, if Glaber's healthy and can handle it, just just keep rolling with him at that point. Yeah. And one thing that I think people are forgetting about is that Anthony Rizzo is going to make Glaber Torres a better shortstop too, just because he's going to be better at scooping some of these occasionally errant throws from Glaber. So. Oh yeah. No, even, I mean, he's not going to make even, him into like you know second coming of Andrelton Simmons or anything like that. But he'll be okay. Don't you mean uh, greatest shortstop ever, Derek Jeter? Where's the retoo pack? Yeah, no retoo spec for him. <laughs> <laughs> I, only, I only I only know him as the owner of the Marlins. Did he play baseball? What's baseball? Yeah, um, I think it's like the British game of rounders or something like that. See, with the amount of times Derek Jeter uh, jumped or whatever, I thought he was a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's good friends with Michael Jordan, so. Yes, they're apparently very close. <laughs> yeah. hey, I'll never forget, for some reason, um, MLB had like put in the wrong text for uh, like a video clip and it instead like Michael Jackson <laughs> comes to Derek Jeter Day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that at all, but that's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember really stupid things, but like the, <laughs> at this age, like, the ghost of Michael Jackson apparently coming back to haunt Derek Jeter Day. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, oh, that's great. well, there's no good transition from that. So we'll take an ad break right now and we'll be right back. And we're back. So should we move on to anything else or do you want to go to Meet a Baby Bomber? Let's Meet a Baby Bomber. Okay. Oh, because I'm, I'm very excited about this week. All right. We will actually brief pause. Congratulations, Luis Severino, becoming a dad again. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. The picture he posted was that on his Instagram or Twitter or whichever that was. I don't remember what social media is what was absolutely adorable. So yeah. kudos and congratulations. Yeah. And again, we're not really counting on Sevi necessarily coming back and doing much this year. If you uh, if you can come in the bullpen. Great. But if not 2022, it's OK. Yeah, perfectly fine. Yes. OK. So who is your very fun meet a baby bomber this week? So my baby bomber to meet this week is a gentleman by the name of Ocean Gabonia. Hell yeah. His full name is Ocean Peter Kaulana Kwikahi Gabonia. I don't know if I butchered that. And to the Gabonia family, I apologize if I butchered any of that. Please uh, at me at Merns PSA to let me know if I did that uh, correctly or incorrectly. (laughs) He was an undrafted free agent signing from uh, the 2020 draft. Uh, He signed for $20,000, which doesn't sound like a lot, but undrafted free agents have a cap at 20K. So that's kind of why that number is so low mm-hmm. he's from hilo hawaii and many call the picks uh the the signing surprising because he wasn't listed on any like top draft boards or prospect lists or anything like that he was pretty much kind of just unheard of he's on the smaller side for a pitcher he's at 6'1 175 pounds but the yankees liked his lively and loose arm they liked his mechanics his mound presence as well as and i quote again passion and heart for the game whatever the hell that means Back in 2019, his fastball was topping out at 84 miles per hour in high school, but he significantly improved that over the last few years, and it's up to like 91 miles per hour that he showed at preseason Northwest Athletic Conference uh, showcase. So, you know, going jumping up from 84 to 91, it's not an easy thing to do, so kudos to him, and hopefully he just continues improving upon that. After graduating from high school in 2019, he went to Everett Community College in Washington, And obviously the season was just limited because of uh, the COVID pandemic, but in very limited sample, he had pitched to a 2.40 ERA with 23 strikeouts over three starts. And that's 15 innings. Again, very limited sample because of COVID, but 
that's still pretty good numbers to put up on the season, even on a limited basis. After being signed, he came out and said, like, I was the last pitcher of the night and they really liked how I was throwing the ball. So they contacted me after. And that's when it all started. All the interviews and just getting to know me in the process of recruiting. And he talks a little bit more about like, this is after a showcase last year around draft time, but he talks about like the Yankees have a plan to just develop him and continue what he's been doing the last few years to help him get stronger and mature into his body. And he talks about how he still hasn't reached his peak yet, which obviously, you know, for a young kid, he's not going to be there. So far this season for the FCL Yankees, uh, he's only made, he's made two starts, uh, but he has a 2.08 ERA with three strikeouts and five walks. And that's across just 4.1 innings. But again, we're not really looking at the inning count or anything like that too much right now. It's just kind of seeing where they go. And he was a big fan of like Mariano Rivera. And I know like I read a few things about comparing him to, to Mo in the sense that like, when the Yankees signed uh, Mo, the, they, they didn't really have a full plan as to whether they're going to keep him as a starter or a reliever. And that seems to be the same situation with uh, Gabonia here, where they're not entirely sure if they're going to keep him as a starter, maybe convert him to a reliever or, you know, what they're going to do. But they're, they seem to be very excited about him, about his promise. And again, his full name is Ocean Peter Kaulana Kwikahi Gabonia. So who, how do you not love that? Yeah, and he has not even reached his final form per his own words. So, you know. (laughs) And just by default, he's automatically my favorite prospect in the Yankee system. And I will cry, cry, cry if they ever trade him away or cut him. I still think about you sometimes. I sack Fleming. (laughs) (laughs) I I do miss that. (laughs) Yeah. No, but yeah, I literally just stumbled upon this guy's name doing one of the minor league recaps in the past week, sent it to Shaw and he's like, okay, I'm just doing this as my meet a baby bomber because obviously, and kudos to you, you lived up to it. And actually there was some pretty good material out there on ocean Gabonia. Yeah. I was doing research yesterday. Cause I, I remember we talked about it. I'm like, I don't know if there's enough about him. Cause like nobody even knew he existed until last week where he just popped up on the, the box score and like, who the hell is this guy? But fortunately there was a decent amount out there that I was able to introduce everyone to him. And I will be following his career very closely because of, I love his name. Yeah. To quote Palpatine, we will be following your career with great interest or whatever. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and apparently he's Mariano Rivera. So there you go. Yes. Good to know. Yes. I saw I saw that article. I was like, it's it's like he's gonna follow in the footsteps of Mo. I was like, what does this mean? Let me read more. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, that's cool. That, that's fine. That's I guess a sentence to write. No, I choose to interpret this as he's going to be a unanimous Hall of Famer. Ocean Gabonia. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's destiny. Retire forty two for him. Yeah. <laughs> for him, his career is an ocean to explore. I, I've lost I, the thread on this. <laughs> it's okay. I had a very terrible, um, it's not the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. Uh, just <laughs> ready for when talking about him being quote unquote undersized. And it, it, I just kind of forgot about it until you mentioned it right now. So there's my joke. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay. I'm glad we could learn more about ocean Gabonia. Yes. All right. So my meet a baby bomber is a pitcher, Sean Boyle. Have you heard about Sean Boyle in the past week? I have not actually, but in my defense or in your defense, whoever's defense, I've been very out of tune with the world a lot this past week because I've been heavy into moving. So it's just like if once I'm done with work, I've been just moving, packing and unpacking. So that is just a fact. But Sean Boyle gained some attention because in the past week he threw a seven inning no hitter for Scranton. So he did oh, that. Yeah, he did that knows? last Thursday, actually, against the Worcester Red Sox. So even better. Yeah, take that. Yeah. Ah. Dumpster Red Sox. <laughs> Got him. 
Whereas they like to call themselves the Woo Sox because uh, oh. hell. I've always hated Worcester because of just like it's spelled like Worcester, but pronounced Worcester. Like, bro, the alphabet has pronunciation guides. Use that. Yeah. I almost moved there for a job a few years ago and I, it would have been a nightmare trying to, you know, live with that. <laughs> yeah. I only learned because of my first job out of college. I, I was supposed to go to Massachusetts and like our office, we had one office in Andover, Massachusetts, and the other one in Worcester. And I was like, what the hell's Worcester? It's in Worcester because I was just reading it off the thing. They're like, no, yeah. that's Worcester. No, that's but that. Anyway. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't make sense. Anyway, yeah. So away from Worcester. So Sean Boyle, he's from Selden, New York, which is on Long Island. He actually didn't even start playing baseball until 10th grade. And it's kind of funny, his origin story behind it, because he grew up a Mets fan. This is a quote. I started watching the Mets, and they had a pitcher on the mound throwing 83 miles per hour. I'm like, I can give that a shot. That doesn't look too bad. <laughs> <laughs> So I started playing in the yard, and when I found out that there were JV tryouts for the high school, I figured I didn't have anything to lose. So he was inspired by underwhelming Mets shittiness. <laughs> Good to know. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, but kudos to him, though. He learned it pretty quickly. That first try didn't go well, but he eventually got onto the team, and he uh, got some attention by pitching a no-hitter at the Blue Chips Prospects 18 and under Northeast Elite Tournaments, which is quite the mouthful, but hey, pitched a no-hitter. I was about to say, kudos to you for getting that all out in one breath. Yeah, well, it's an adventure, but <laughs> so Boyle, after high school, he, he posted big numbers at Suffolk County Community College from 2015 to 16. He transferred to the pitching powerhouse Dallas Baptist University after a 1.64 ERA in his last year at community college in 2016. He wasn't standout at Dallas Baptist, but he did notch a 10.4 K per nine in two seasons there. And the Yankees do love their Dallas Baptist guys like Chance Adams. A few years ago, was a big prospect. He came from Dallas Baptist. So they took Boyle in the 25th round of the 2018 MLB draft. He had uh, up and down results in his first couple seasons. 2019, he had a 1.88 ERA and 11 starts with Pulaski, but then a 6.97 ERA in five games on Staten Island. So not great for the home crowd, but alas. 2021, he started off pretty strong with very good numbers in A-ball between Tampa and Hudson Valley, 2.70 ERA in 17 games, which included six starts. And he was actually part of a combined no-hitter for Hudson Valley on July 10th, which was the first in its history. And then he really grabbed attention, obviously, this past week when he was called up to Scranton with the team light on arms, and he threw a seven-inning no-no against Worcester. So pretty great stuff from that. He's not like a super hard throw. He tops out about 95, but he's definitely put himself more on the map than anyone would have considered even just like a couple of weeks ago. The Yankees aren't keeping him at Scranton yet. Um, they put him back in double-A Somerset, where actually he has not appeared before, but that's where he's on the roster at the moment. And there'll be someone to watch going forward as well. Yeah, apparently he just loves uh, being part of no-hitters. Yeah, you know, you know, no. <laughs> not, a, not a bad personality trait, if I do see so myself. Yeah, big Nolan Ryan guy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. So we got the next Mullen and the next Nolan Ryan on the, in the Yankee system is what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 loaded. What can we say? <laughs> Small shoes to fill, I guess. Yeah, but Sean Boyle, I had not really heard of him before the past week, and now I do. So cool. Yeah. All right, should we move on to the Yankee and Mitre of the week? Let's do it. All right, who is your Yankee of the week? So my Yankee of the week uh, should be a pretty obvious one. Again, I wanted to give it to Velazquez, but I just couldn't. It has to be Giancarlo Stanton. 
Yeah. Uh, in the last week, he's hit 350, 458, slugging 900 with five of his seven hits going for extra bases. He talked recently about how playing in the outfield helps him stay focused on not just hitting, quote. So he's able to, like, basically just able able to step away from focusing on solely on his at-bats and think about something else, which I guess lets him step into at-bats with a little bit more of a clear mind because it's like he was doing something else and rather than just sitting around waiting for the next at-bat. And even Aaron Boone has said that, you know, moving around probably helps him physically too. So it just kind of makes you wonder like, hey, if we knew he could do this and are saying that's a good thing, why the hell weren't we doing this? But whatever, um, that's not the point. But even so, like since the Miami series, he's been, he's hitting uh, 313, 421, 600, which just kind of backs up his assertion. And like, since he started playing the field, he's obviously hit a lot better, but he's also pr- producing more value just by being out there in the outfield. He's uh, fifth on the team now in uh, baseball reference war, which again, not really great many updates. Uh, this is why I didn't give the full B-War update for the top 12 leaderboard, but he's up there at number five now with uh, 2.3 uh, B-War. So, hey, hey, you know, he, it's, a, it's definitely a significant improvement from where he was like a few weeks ago, even like he's jumping up there, obviously playing the outfield and he's been playing it well, like, you know, which we knew he could do. Obviously, there was questions on if he could still play well, because, you know, it's been so long since he's played on a regular basis or even just at all, considering this year and last year, he hadn't even played in the outfield, even one game or an inning. So it would, the, those, those questions were there. But, you know, it seems to come back to him as second nature. So kudos to him for, you know, readapting to that and making it, you know, work and just letting the lineup go deeper. Because like we talked about earlier, with him being able to play the outfield a few times a week and doing that allows Rizzo to take most of the reps at first base, which you want him to do over Voight at first, because Rizzo's obviously in a whole other level defensively. And then that lets Voight just come in DH and, you know, do his thing there. Yeah. And Stan's not going to like win any gold gloves at this point, but he's not going to embarrass himself out there. And I think they were just getting a little bit too cute with the uh, let's DH in to protect him. And, you know, I guess to the Yankees credit, he has been extremely healthy and knock on wood for Stan's standards this season. So that, that has helped. But yeah, I think the outfield play has helped keep him involved a little bit more in the game as well. And as we talked about earlier, creates more flexibility. So that's good. We like him. Love a G. Yeah. And it, it is just funny seeing some of these home runs that he hits too. Like they, for, they would be doubles in the gap for anyone else. And for him to just go whoop over the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your Yankee of the week this week? All right. So my Yankee of the week is actually the American league player of the week from last week. Uh, Luke Voigt. If I was choosing between the two, obviously I would have picked Stan because our week is different than like the American league player of the week. And also because the dumb National League rules forced Voight into only pinch hitting the last few games in Atlanta, but he got pinch hit walks both of those days, and he has been really good in the past week, obviously, to win that award, but right. he has a 1600 OPS, so not going to turn my nose down to that, so. <laughs> no, yeah, that's definitely a solid pick. He, he was definitely in consideration for me as well. Yeah, it's a pretty self-explanatory, just how he's been locked in at the plate, hitting home runs, getting big hits, and really doing the job and making sure that people don't forget about him in the lineup because he's a very good hitter. So it's a good problem that the Yankees have that they are having all these hitters come out of the woodworks to force themselves into the conversation. So keep it up. Make it annoying. Yep. And like, you know, we, he, he came out and talked about how uh, like frustrated he was with the Rizzo trade, not in the sense that he doesn't like Anthony Rizzo, but you know, he obviously thinks he deserves his playing time, but he also understood because, you know, he just hasn't been on the field. But, you know, he talked about how he deserves to get his chance to play too and that Anthony Rizzo shouldn't just fully take away his at-bats. And to his credit, he's backed up that notion and given the Yankees every reason to keep putting Satan in the outfield and letting him DH 
because if Voight was not doing anything, then it then it kind of goes back to all right. Then what's the point of what? Why are we even doing this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I guess uh, we'll move on at this point to the Mitra of the week. Which fortunately there aren't too many contenders when you win eleven in a row. But who is your Mitra right. of the week? So this is going to be short, probably not sweet, but it's a role to Chapman because Surprise. he's a fart. <laughs> yep, he is a fart. a fart. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. No, I mean, we talked enough about Chapman already, so I don't want to kind of rehash all that. But, bro, learn how to locate your fastball, please, because without that, you can't do much. And it, it's really showing, and especially yeah. with, like, Zach Britton out now. They need him to write himself. But yeah. luckily, you know, there have been other people in the bullpen stepping up, especially, you know, Chad Green, Jonathan Lewisiga, Wandy Peralta, Albert Abreu. They've all been very good. Clay Holmes, uh, even Joely Rodriguez. Like, you know, everyone's been very good. So it's not like, you know, we need – him specifically, you know, like, oh my God, everything's lost without him. There's obviously other good pitchers around him in that bullpen, but they still need him to be at his best or at least be better than what he is currently. Yeah, gotta clean that up. <laughs> but yep. my Mitre of the Week is going to be the other half of the first base combo, which is Anthony Rizzo, who is quietly, partially because he's so good at defense and has, I will say, it's like a Mitre of the Week with a caveat because he has made some good plays on defense that have help secure ball games but it at the plate 056 143 056 in the past week that's uh it's yeah. not getting the job done it, it's not been a pleasant return from the il and like that's why like, people are wondering like why are you letting him start both games of the atlanta series and instead of letting Boyd like come in because Boyd's been actually red hot but i mean i guess you keep him in there for the defense because again the defense still has been very good i do think he'll come around and come back around so yeah you know it's just it's bad week. just been not a not a it's a bad week yeah yeah i mean rizzo has been in the game long enough that he's he's had bad weeks before he'll figure his way out of it it, it happens i probably would have started void one of those two games in atlanta just because i mean they had two games i feel like just do one first baseman for one game one first baseman for the other but right they won both so whatever that's all that matters at the end exactly all right well do we have anything else or should we wrap this up I think that's about it. We'll uh, see you guys next week, and uh, hopefully the Yankees don't get Epstein Bar. Yeah. Hey, we have high, we have high <laughs> goals. <laughs> okay. So this has been fun. Yankees should keep winning. Make it even more fun because we are greedy. We want as many wins as possible. So hopefully the weekend in Oakland goes well. And uh, after that, they have a series in Anaheim against the Angels. So hopefully the fight in Otanis don't give them too much of a problem, but we'll see. So West Coast road trips, get your coffee ready. 100% not going to stay up for the end of almost any of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the nice thing is that see, of the seven games, only four of them start at like 930 or 10. later. So actually, oh, okay. yeah, none of them actually have 10 o'clock start times, which is nice. The, oh, that's good. Yeah. The, I mean, it's like 940. So it's like not much of a difference, but it's half an hour difference. And, you know, when you're staying Honestly, up for those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 940 versus 1010 is a big difference to me. So it's true. I yeah. hated seeing those 1010 starts. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Once again, I'm glad that uh, Kevin joined the staff because one of the things he said in his uh, application is like, I am on the West Coast and I'm happy to do West Coast recaps. And I'm like, thank you, sir. (laughs) Yes, you. I choose you for that reason. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, pretty much any time that we've had West Coast Yankees trips, I'm like, can I just pre-schedule you for one of these? It's like, yeah, so great. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. So. That'll do for us on this week of the Pinstripe Alley podcast. You can follow us, us on Twitter at Pinstripe Alley. You can follow me on Twitter at Merns PSA. Where can we find you this week? All right, you let the cat out of the bag. You find uh, you can find me at Merns PSA as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Gotta uh, gotta get the feedback right yes. straight to the source. <laughs>
Burns yes. say. <laughs> Gabonia family, definitely reach out. Yeah. Gabonia family, please call Kunshaw at this number. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this has been fun. Have a good week, everyone. Farewell. <laughs>